Welcome. You're listening to Alps in Brief, the podcast that comes to you from the historic Florence building in beautiful downtown Missoula, Montana. I'm Mark Bassingthwaite, the risk manager here at Alps, and today we're going to have a little fun, do something a little bit uh, interesting. Uh, Believe it or not, I'm going to try to make some connections between Mars and all of these uh, stay-at-home or stay-in-place orders all over the country. Now, how are we going to do that? I, I guess I uh, saying Mars is a little bit misleading. We're going to talk about a Mars simulation. And uh, I am so pleased and excited to have uh, two very special guests uh, on today. And honestly, both of them are very special people uh, in, uh, in my life and in the life of uh, my wife. Uh, the, the first is um, Carmel Johnston. Carmel is uh, quite an outdoorsman. Uh, boy, if, if trying to get her to do a podcast can be a bit of a challenge, but just because you never know where she is. Uh, I was watching this morning a YouTube of her uh, as she was doing a TV show in uh, Australia, of all places. Uh, but she also spends quite a bit of time now in Glacier National Park, another place that is near and dear to many of our hearts uh, as folks in, in Montana. Uh, Carmel... Uh, has uh, a background uh, from Montana State University, a Master of Science in Land Resources and Environmental Sciences. And now uh, she is the uh, Utility Systems Repair and Operator at uh, the National Park Service. Um, and actually, there's uh, Carmel, you're going to have to explain, is that the same position in, uh, in uh, Glacier? Yeah, so it's called Utility Systems Repair Operator, but essentially it's a water and wastewater operator position. So all the water that people drink, we create, and then all the wastewater that happens afterwards, we treat before it is given back to the earth. Okay, very good. And I'll explain a little bit more about uh, Carmel here in just a minute. Uh, The other guest that I'd like to introduce uh, is someone that goes back in my life quite a few years. We first met in, uh, I believe it was, Tristan, wasn't it 1984, if I'm remembering correctly? Uh, This is uh, Tristan Bassingthwaite, and uh, Tristan, um, among, and again, uh, like Carmel, these two, you can find them all over the world at different times. Uh, Of note, uh, Tristan received his master's uh, in architecture uh, from Tanji University in Shanghai, and then went on to uh, complete his doctorate of architecture from the uh, University of Hawaii, uh, Manoa. And Tristan uh, is, uh, I, has done all kinds of things, but it, my, my interest uh, in uh, having him visit with us today is uh, some of what he does is, um, how would you describe it? It's in, in terms of the um, different, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my words here, Tristan, but you know, the, the, mm-hmm. what type of architecture do you ties in here? Oh, yeah. I, uh specialize in the design of um, habitats, research bases, um, even you could say drilling platforms, the areas people would go on Earth or in outer space that are isolated, dangerous working environments, uh, confined environments, and then how to understand the social and psychological issues that occur with people there, being removed from family and society and walks in the park and fresh coffee, and trying to address them architecturally so that we could say, 
live on Mars for 10 years and not have everybody go crazy or something along those lines. Yeah. My, my uh, senior moment was uh, extreme environment design. That's what I was struggling with. Uh, just every once in a while, you know, recall isn't what it should be. While you listeners might be wondering why I have these two guests um, visiting with us today and what, what Mars has to do with stay-at-home orders, uh, both of these folks were... Uh, participants in a Mars simulation. Uh, it was uh, what is called High Seas 4, and it was a 366-day mission. And uh, Carmel was the uh, crew commander uh, for this mission, and Tristan was the crew space architect. And they really have uh, all kinds of stories and insights and experiences to share. But this was uh, a, a project between NASA and the University of Hawaii. And they literally lived in a very small space for 366 days, never being able to go outside uh, on the side of, uh, it was Mauna Loa, if I'm remembering correctly. But um, Carmel, could I have you just share a very brief little background in terms of, of what this experience was? was about and Tristan of course jump in anytime mm. yeah so we were the six participants of the Hawaii space exploration analog simulation mission number four and that consisted of the six of us living in a 1200 square foot dome on the side of Mauna Loa for the year and like you said yeah we couldn't go outside unless we were wearing a spacesuit and we lived off freeze-dried, dehydrated, and powdered ingredients for the year, unless we were able to grow our own vegetables. And we were just studying the, uh, where we were the guinea pigs studying the effects of isolation and confinement on all of us. And I don't know, all the different tools and techniques that people have thought of up to this point for dealing with those psychological aspects of confinement. Yes, yeah, very good. Um... And Tristan, you know, maybe you can share just a little bit. When we talk about isolation, you know, you, you and there were six, uh, for those of you listening, a total of six individuals uh, participated in this uh, year-long mission. And I believe it's to this day the longest uh, isolation uh, experiment uh, run yet uh, here in the States anyway. But there's isolation, too, in terms of communication. And Tristan, could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, when you actually go up there, you find, you know, you've got your row of laptops so we can all do our work and research and everything. Um, you've got several electronic devices like iPads and everything to do um, quizzes and surveys, enter the various information for the experiments we're doing, um, write about how we feel, etc., sort of tracking our um, emotions and reactions during the course of the year. But also, there's um, a viciously delayed internet that only allows um, access to a few research sites, uh, because that's what we were doing. Um, phones don't work. Um, there's, there's no real-time communication with anybody that's not in the dome. So if um, I was going to, say, write an email to Grandma, I could compose the whole thing and send it off, and it would be held in a NASA server for 20 minutes and then delivered to her. So all of our... Um, digital communications that people focus on these days are light speed delayed the way they would be if we were actually on Mars. So you're very, very, very removed from everybody physically and uh, in terms of communication um, in every way you can imagine. So it's not just, uh, oh, you're in a tent, but you can right. hang out on Snapchat if you want. Very good. Thank you. Um, when you guys 
signed up for this and got selected, uh, in terms of what you were thinking it would be like uh, versus what you ultimately discovered, you know, uh, were, were, did you know what you were getting into? Um, yeah, I would say I had a fair idea because I was actually applying to this um, near the tail end of my master's research. And the master's research was also on extreme environmental architecture, sociology, psychology. And I only found high seas because I was trying to uh, research analogs that were on Earth and then honestly just ask some of the participants questions. And that accidentally turned into applying. How about you, Carmel? Uh, yeah, I think we knew a lot about what we were getting into, but there's definitely a component to it that we had no idea how isolating it really would be. And several of us had done previous analog simulations before, not to that length of time, but, you know, two-week simulations here and there. And each simulation you go through, whether it's HERA or MDRS or high seas or um, Cirrus, any of those, they all have different components to it. And so ours was the delayed communications. You had unlimited amount of data to be like dropping data packages if you needed to, if NASA needed to send us something, but it would be delayed and it would be in the same constraints of how they would actually send data to Mars. Whereas other ones, it's like, oh, you have unlimited real-time communication, but you only get a certain amount of data per day or per week or something. Right. And then every simulation spacesuits are different, and the, the different things that you're testing are different, which is great because we're compiling all these resources of the different aspects of isolation and confinement, and then, you know, the ultimate test is going there. And so hopefully if we practice all these different components to it here, then it'll make it easier for actually getting there. Maybe I'm just going to take a tangent for a quick second uh, in uh, in light of our listening audience here. And I really didn't explain what high C stands for. It is the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation. So it's H-I-S-C-A-S if you ever want to look something up and, and see what high seas is all about. Uh, was it hard? Oh, yeah. How um, so? I would, I would say that it well, up to this point, it's been the hardest thing I've done in my life, but that is barring that my parents are still here, and so when they go, that will probably be the hardest thing I have to deal with. But um, having a lack of communication, because our connection to society and our friends and family is humongous, and each one of us, Tristan will tell stories about um, his friends that fell off. Like, each one of us had friends that wouldn't write back, or they'd forget about us until... The Martian came out, and then all of a sudden, we get a lot of emails of people saying, "Oh, we're thinking of you." And you're like, "Well, where were you two months ago when I really needed you to respond back to an email?" And it's kind of the out of sight, out of mind concept of as soon as you're gone, then people forget because you're not in their regular life all the time. And um, yeah, we were just like stuck up there doing our research, and it was very easy to feel disconnected from the people that we cared about the most, which made us feel like, well, maybe we don't mean that much to them. Or, yeah. you know, you start playing all these games in your head about why people don't respond back. It's probably because they have kids and they're living their lives. But to you, it seems like, well, this is really important to me. <laughs> Tristan? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I had all sorts of people that, uh, kind of vanished and dropped away. I mean, half of our relationships uh, these days seem to be over email or text anyways. So um, you'd think they'd be able to keep up. But uh, 
it kind of gave you a, a good opportunity to, um, I mean, healthy or unhealthy, coping mechanisms can help get you through some stuff. So uh, it was a chance to pick up some uh, hobbies and try and focus on work and do some other things as well, but you definitely feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how did you... How did you make peace with that? I guess um, you know. How, how did were you able to move forward? To, to, to because you know nobody at the end came out, you know, crazy, ready to be hospitalized. You know, nobody died in terms of you, you didn't yeah. kill each other, that kind of thing. Um, so how how did you how'd you do it? Um, I think the big thing for me was like a string of tiny little fun victories mixed with a few larger uh, goals over the course of, you know, the last eight months, perhaps. So, uh, like, Carmel and Cyprian got really into uh, trying to run a marathon, and uh, I thought that was the worst idea ever because it's, uh, you know, who wants to run forever? Uh, that just hurts. And uh, eventually, yeah, just uh, Carmel talked me into it, and I ended up doing that. So, I mean, that was a... Uh, but I do like two and a half months of training to actually get up to that. See, I don't remember ta- having to talk you into it. I think you were like, hey, I think I could do this. And we're like, we'll make your training plan. You can totally do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. So, it's, you know, you, you start to run and everything. And then, like, I think she and Cyprian were, like, coming by every half hour and leaving treats on the treadmill and spraying me with water bottles and stuff. So you've got your camaraderie on the inside. And then uh, when there's not some massive thing that you're uh, working on or accomplished that day, uh, I mean, Carmel and I invented the pizza cupcake. Uh, <laughs> like, a lot of fun small things that, like, oh, this is today's victory. I have changed the culinary world. Can you, Carmel, just share for everybody listening again, what, what running a marathon in a dome looks like? So we have a treadmill there and at the beginning of the year the treadmill was like kind of adjacent to the window and then we found that Cyprian kept falling off of it because he's looking out the window and so we put it in front of the window and then at least you had like the same Mars landscape to look at while you're running but for the most part you have to watch a lot of movies because running a marathon in general is pretty time consuming depending on how fast you're running either way it's a lot of lot of movement and um yeah listening to movies or watching movies or listening to podcasts or something is kind of the only way to take away from the monotony of one foot in front of the other for so darn long yeah and for those listening again i i can you appreciate what they're sharing they're they're running marathons on a treadmill and trust me this isn't a state-of-the-art you know brand new (laughs) high-tech thing uh, in front of, I wouldn't say a window, my memory is it was the window, and it is about the size of a, maybe a large pizza pan. It's just a circle, yeah. and you are looking out at uh, volcanic rock. There's nothing out there. So just trying to put that in perspective. Uh, crazy kinds of stuff. Uh, did you want to share? Go ahead. I, I think I cut you yeah. off. Are you okay? Sometimes there were clouds, so that really broke it up and <laughs> made it a little change of scenery. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty monotonous the whole time when you're running. But at the same time, that's the thing that's breaking the other monotonous cycle of your life, which is research and yeah. cooking food and 
you know, being around the same people all day, every day. And so that's actually kind of an escape is doing something pretty monotonous. (laughs) Funny that way. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Um, These stay in place orders really uh, are, are having an impact on people. I've been talking with some lawyers uh, in recent weeks, uh, several of whom work in the domestic uh, relations space, and they're reporting uh, a tremendous increase in, you know, families just, whether it's it's just some abuse kinds of things going on to uh, just divorce. Um, People are getting a little crazy and and stir crazy. Uh, A lot of people... Uh, I heard in uh, Paris, for instance, you're not allowed to exercise outside now. Uh, and, you know, and I'd love for you guys to talk about, you know, what going outside meant for you, uh, both in terms of how it was done and, and what it meant for you. But, uh, you know, Michigan has just issued an order forbidding contact now with uh, friends and family in terms of extended. You are not to go out and visit with anybody. You can only interact with people that are in your physical home. Um, now, of course, I guess you can say hi or, you know, smile at somebody at the grocery store, but that's, that's a different thing. So in, in light of the challenges so many are having to face uh, that have never dealt with anything like this, um, you know, and for some it's going to be, you know, four to six weeks. Others it might be eight to ten weeks, nothing like 366 days. But perhaps through the context of sharing your stories, uh, how you survived and things, you could share some tips and, and insights into what, you know how, how people going through these stay-at-home, stay-in-place orders can, can again come out the other side without uh, too many bruises and, and and nobody's killed each other. You know, so uh, I'll let you guys chat here for a little bit on that. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is um, this is being forced on everyone, whereas we got to volunteer, so we had to uh, begin ours with a slightly different mindset, which um, helps out. But um, I, I think one of the when you go into something like this, the problems that occur sort of, I mean, you, you, you can imagine them being created because you're stuck inside and can't leave and there's no communication or whatever. But really, you know, wherever you go, like when you go on a vacation, you know, your problems are waiting for you when you get back because you were just on vacation. And when you go into isolation, you're just taking your life and your problems with you. So I would argue that the people who are, you know, getting to uh, spend a month with their spouse and then realize they can't stand the way they chew food and they get divorced probably had other issues like it was likely not the uh, the quarantine that split them all up so if you're going to be stuck somewhere and you can't go to the bars and hang out with all your friends and do the normal life distraction stuff that defined your existence before all of this you're going to whether you realize it or not um, meet yourself in some ways and realize uh where your priorities lay, um, the character traits that you actually enjoy and hate about the people you're living with, um, even start to ask existential questions, maybe. I know in the last like couple of weeks, I've been like, what am I doing with my life? And trying to just figure some of that stuff out again, because I've got the time now. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's great. That's, I, you're so spot on. Carmel? Yeah, I think that's really well put. Especially because we, like Tristan said, we did choose to be isolated. And so it takes a special kind of special to 
even want to do that. And I mean, honestly, isolation isn't for everyone. And we know that because there are only certain people that volunteer for isolation studies or to go to other planets or to live on the ISS or go to Antarctica. Like not everyone's volunteering to do that because it just doesn't mesh well with them. And you see people who choose to overwinter in Antarctica year after year, they enjoy it or they are at least able to get through it because it matches with their personality. And so um, having this forced upon everyone in the world right now really is kind of like taking a lifestyle choice for some people and making it a mandatory lifestyle. Um, so yeah, finding coping mechanisms, things that help you make your life as easy as possible for where you are at right now is probably the best step for a lot of people because they might enjoy certain aspects of it, but they definitely aren't going to enjoy everything about it Right. as, as we did as well. Like there were certain things I missed terribly about the dome and then there's some things i'm like i never need to go back there again for other <laughs> what would you say you missed i find that interesting um, oh the food the food i actually kind of do miss the isolation because we we're up there and like you could just get so much work done and you didn't have a lot of distractions in some ways and i had a treadmill that i could run on most of the time because a couple weeks ago they took away the gym at work and so now, like, you're forced to exercise outside, except for that it's snowing all the time. And they close the park and they close the reservation. And, like, you literally like, can't leave a one-mile square radius anymore. <laughs> and so I'm going a little crazy for other reasons right now. Yeah, yeah. But. You raised the, the, the term uh, coping mechanisms, and I, and I think that's, that's a good – can we explore that a little bit and just have both of you – what were your coping mechanisms? What really worked for you? And if, if there was something that you tried and didn't, I'd love to hear that as well. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, part of the reason we had said food was such a great thing is because um, Carmel's mom actually taught her to cook very well. And uh, I got to be sous chef two days out of the week, inventing uh, new things or learning how to make, you know, old favorites, whatever. Um, we actually pulled off a... Uh, Super respectable salmon eggs benedict, uh, double layer chocolate cake, uh, the aforementioned pizza cupcakes. Uh, we made Swedish meat, no, not Swedish meatballs. Or, uh, oh God. What were the meatballs we made? Italian meatballs or something? And um, they're actually better than the meatballs at the restaurant we went to when we all got out. Um, so it's a bit of a um, playing around and creative aspect there. Um, I was working on my dissertation while I was there, so I had some of my um, personal work as well. Um, some of my best-selling t-shirts, like I came up with the ideas and drew them while I was up there because I had the time. Um, you, you sort of have the option between, um, like say for the people going through isolation now, you can do something that is uh, not mean, like getting through your favorite series or watching you know, Battlestar all four seasons over the course of two weeks and you just sort of pausing yourself as a person in your life while you enjoy something or you can say well i'm going to do something um productive or creative and actually find a way to engage a part of yourself that wants to learn language or an instrument or start doing art or become an incredible bonsai shaper person um you know one of those will actually let you survive a year and one of them will let you get through a couple of weeks so mm -hmm. i think we're actually going to start to see as um these stay-at-home orders carry on, 
more problems because a lot of people are doing the uh, the numbing route where they're right. investing heavily in, say, television or, you know, whatever, something that's sort of a, a passive hobby instead of something that actually lends meaning to what they're doing and helps them feel like they are uh, progressing. I, following up on that, I get concerned, too, uh, about alcohol abuse. You know, if, if, if there's not, you know, the numbing kind of thing, just to kind of get through it. And, and you, you can, it's so easy to just casually increase and increase and increase. And what becomes, uh, you know, after dinner or before dinner beverage or two, uh, you know, you have a little bit at lunch, you have some in the afternoon, what the mm-hmm. heck, you know, I got another beer or so in the fridge to get the nine o'clock movie and on and on. Uh, Carmel, how about you? Your yeah, thoughts? I think, um... I have lots of thoughts. I've been thinking about this for like five years now. Um, um, I think right now it's okay to acknowledge that it sucks. Like nobody's really having a great time right now. And it's okay to say this is not where we wanted to be. And it's changing everything and it's hard. But what can we gain out of it? And it's okay to live in the like grumpy mood for a little bit. But then the thing that's going to bring you out of it is planning and having a goal for the day and or I had um, one person who was retired they told me the other week like the I have at least one thing I have to accomplish every day even if it's just making my bed or it's stacking firewood or something else I have to write on the list I did one thing every day because then once you do one it'll be fine to do you'll you know you'll start doing a bunch of other things but if you sit in bed first thing in the morning and start watching a show then it's like six shows later you're like hmm, I guess I'm kind of hungry now and I might make something or I might just eat leftovers and so having things to do in your day that need to be done that day is actually helpful because right. you mm-hmm. have a drive and a reason to go and I'm so thankful that I am still working right now because I have something that makes me I mean I, I would be not getting out of bed otherwise but you know, I have a purpose and I am contributing every single day right now. And that gives me a lot of fulfillment knowing that I am still able to do this and I'm not forced to be at home because that would be extremely challenging for anyone to be told you can't go to work. You're still getting paid. But then you're like, well, heck, what am I even like contributing right now? So I'm just instead, yeah, coming up with workouts or um, a craft or a hobby or something you want to master that gives you a purpose for every single day it's very easy for all your days to run together and to not know what day of the week it is but if you yeah have something that keeps you going forward every single day that will that's a long-term game plan versus a short-term plan you know i obviously um vicariously went through this experience uh just as a parent and uh, trying to stay in touch and you know so i i kind of lives the experiment uh, as, a, as an earthling, uh, my, it, it seemed apparent to me that two uh, coping mechanisms that uh, were very, very effective, uh, and I think not only for the two of you, but uh, that became uh, effective and, and helped others in the Dome, uh, and that would be the use of humor. Uh, and uh, the ability to get outside. Now, I want to underscore for people listening, getting outside of the dome is not like you get to walk through the airlock and, you know, take your T-shirt off and get a little sun and, you know, go for a a run up the hill. You know, you're in space suits. You're still, you know, you don't get the fresh air. The sun isn't on your skin for 366 days. But um, 
either or both of you, if you would just share some thoughts about the importance of, you know, did that matter? How did it matter in terms of humor or, or just a change of scenery? Yeah, I mean, um, the big thing is it's a, a new stimulus. So instead of uh, the treadmill to try and, uh, you know, escape from whatever's going on or doing our work or our hobbies, you actually can uh, go over the landscape. The physical exertion is, you know, while it has the same unpleasantness as jogging for a long time, it can at the same time feel cathartic and like you're moving your body because you are. Um, so it can help uh, meet some of your exercise goals and help you work out some stress. But um, we were lucky enough that, um, I don't know if it's on the entire mountain, but we had several in the uh, local area we were allowed to explore. But uh, we had lava tubes. So you could, you know, schedule an EVA and do all this paperwork and get um, everything set up. And then the next day, you know, you suit up and go outside and your teams and everything. And instead of just walking around on a barren landscape, which can be, beautiful for its own aesthetic reasons you're getting to like wiggle through strange holes and cracks and find giant like house-sized volumes under the lava that are totally empty or have a little skylight at the top with like a shaft of light and trees and it's um like dark and a little scary but super pretty and just this really wonderful fun exploring thing and um that was a massive stimulus and change of pace compared to whatever was going on inside the dome because we had dozens of these lava tubes and pits and everything that you could explore. Very cool. Carmel. Yeah, I, um, I agree that those are probably, I'd say humor, going outside and exercise are the top three um, mechanisms for keeping yourself sitting while you're there. Um, Tristan, it was the diffuser of almost all situations we had. When I had anything, it would get tense he'd crack a joke about something and we'd be laughing and then all the things, you know, everything would be better, or at least it would be better than it was before. And so one of the yeah most valuable roles you have in a crew is to have humor to maintain humor about a situation. You can be serious and get your work done, but being lighthearted for certain things is absolutely necessary. Because yeah. if you can't laugh about it, then, then you're going to be in a world of hurt later. Um, and I agree going outside was huge and we did have like most of our EVAs were or extravehicular activities. Anytime you go outside, you put on your spacesuit and most of them were meant for doing geology research or lava tubes or, um, the different tasks that the research team had for us to do out there. But sometimes it was just to go have fun because things would be so tense. You're like, I just need to go outside and then you need to walk in a straight line because you can only do like 21 steps in the dome before you have to turn around a corner and you can't just like keep doing laps you have to like go back and forth um and just go outside and use your long distance vision and stretch all your muscles and you could even just run down the road if you wanted to um just totally different than being inside and so mixing up that uh like Tristan said the stimuli of being indoors versus outdoors was really really important yeah, I'm finding that's what's helping me right now. You know, now I telecommute, so uh, a stay-at-home order isn't quite the same impact uh, for, for uh, my wife and I than it with other uh, family situations, perhaps. But uh, I've been getting out. I, you know, since the stay-at-home, Trish, you might be impressed here with your old man. I put 150 miles on my bike uh, since Whoa. the stay-at-home. You just get outside. You know, you can still socially nice. distance. 
you know, nobody's within six feet of me, but I'm pedaling like crazy. And it, it's just been good. It, it really does make a difference, even just in mood. Fresh air is super good for everyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's got to be good for, and if you are sick, having some fresh air go through your lungs. And if you're not sick, helping keep yourself healthy and moving strong. Well, I feel like I've taken a lot of uh, your time here, uh, and I so, so appreciate your willingness of both of you to, to, to share a little bit with the Alps uh, audience. Uh, before I let you go, do you have uh, one final tip or comment you'd like to share in terms of just this is your chance to, to say, and again, people that are just trying to make it work and figure out how not to go stir crazy. Uh, a final thought from each of you. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest is, uh, you've got the time now to let your vices squeeze you. So try and balance that out with, uh, less immediately fun, but more long-term productive goals. Cause it sucks now. Like nobody wants to go and work out for two hours a day or, you know, do that paperwork that's lying around, but actually pro producing something instead of just, uh, indulging in something will, um, make four weeks feel a lot more like four and less like 10. Yeah. Yeah. Carmel. I like that. I like that a lot. I also think um, finding more than one thing, because one of the, my downfalls in the dome was that running was my thing. And it, anytime the treadmill wasn't available, whether it was power or it was broken or whatever, like I was a wreck because I just didn't have the ability to do my one coping mechanism. And so having a whole suite of them, whether it's painting or you have some like online videos you could do or um, a whole variety of things that make you happy and are helping you um, and can be productive at the same time. Yeah. That would be good because if, you know, all of a sudden the gym closes and then it's bad weather outside, then now you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I and you have all this stress or anxiety built up that I can't get rid of. Like you need to have a whole suite of things you can do in order to be able to relieve that. Yeah. To that, I would like to add, in terms of the comments both of you shared, uh, just as a, a family member that was on Earth during this whole experience, I, I would like to underscore the importance of social connectivity uh, that uh, both Carmel and Kristen talked about uh, earlier in this podcast. Um, you know, we, we can't necessarily go out and, and meet friends uh, at, at the uh, local brew pub or something and have, have a nice evening. Uh, but there are alternatives, and to try to uh, just call a little bit more, talk on the phone, uh, do some Zoom meetings with family. We've done a little bit of this uh, with some of the kids, uh, and, and that's been a lot of fun. So don't underestimate as well the value of staying socially connected. Uh, I think that can make a, make a big difference. Well, that uh, brings the podcast to an end. Uh, to those of you listening, thank you very much for taking the time. I hope you found something of value. And please don't hesitate to reach out to me uh, at Alps. Uh, it's M Bass. M Bass B A S S at alpsinsurance.com. Uh, happy to, to try and help um, in terms of uh, any questions, concerns you might have on ethics, risk management, or even just getting through a stay at home order. Uh, that's it, folks. Have a good one. Bye bye. <laughs>